Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Witty City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, first show of the offseason for us. Very excited. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, and we've got a great guest today. We do. I'm excited. Uh, we'll, we'll get to him in just a second here. You know, it's it, it's it's a great time to be a Bears fan. I mean, this is the hope season coming off the three and thirteen, three and fourteen season. Of course, is just uh, brutal. But you know, we had we had a good time watching the, the Justin Fields his development. You know, some of the young players look nice, and you know, number one draft pick, about a hundred million in cap space. Hope is 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 there for Bears fans right now. Yeah, absolutely. You had EJ Snyder on just last night, right? Last talking night, about, yeah. Talking about the Shrine Bowl. So you got to talk to my other podcast partner uh, about his experience there. He's there with Brett Coleman, uh, bootleg guys. They're doing a lot of really good stuff. Another guy is doing a lot of really cool draft stuff for Windy City Gridiron. And of course, his work on Barroom is Greg Gabriel. And we are really thrilled to welcome Greg Gabriel to Baron Balance. Greg, welcome. Well, hi, how you guys doing? I finally see your faces. I, you know, <laughs> we talk on the phone, we email each other, but I've never seen anybody's face. So good to see you guys. Technology is a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, I'm very tech uh, deficient for the most part, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, it's good to finally have a chance to meet face to face. We like I said we've talked on the phone quite a bit. Obviously, email, text all the time, but. You know, it's good to kind of get on here and talk about it because you know you have a great perspective. You know, you, you're you're down at the Shrine Bowl, you're involved with the Shrine Bowl, and uh, you know it's 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 a great time. Are you excited for the for the Bears' upcoming off season? Yeah, I, yeah, you think you have to be. Um, but having sat in the office for as long as I did, you know, I, I you know, you see stuff on Twitter, and and not that I'm trying to be obnoxious or anything, but it's not close to reality. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I think right now, as of today, there's 94 million in, in cap space because there's guys, you know, draft choices that uh, outplay their contract, so to speak. So they get incentives added. So they're making more money in the last year of their, their rookie contract. So that took some money away. And they're going to have to extend some players that they want to extend. But they also got to save money for some big extensions down the road, in, including Justin Fields. And speaking of Justin Fields, some of these rumors that have been going around in the last week that, you know, the Bears were, were trying to move him. Now, I believe there, there could be some teams that may have called and say, is he available? But for them to say, we're thinking about chopping. It was the most ludicrous thing I have ever heard in all the years I've been involved in this. Why would you even think for one second that after you've got a quarterback that has been through two years, and really this was his rookie year all over again, uh, being that it was a new office. And when you think about it, he's played in three different offenses the last three seasons. Yeah. Ohio State, he's in one offense. Then he comes here and he's in Nagy's offense, and now he's in Getz's offense. So it's like he hasn't settled in yet. And he had a plus, they brought in a bunch of new players last year. He had to get on the same page with them. It's a very difficult offense to learn. So I think all they were trying to do this year was, was really lay the foundation. But you got knuckleheads around the league that are not around the league and 
in, in media and stuff. That, oh, yeah, they might trade him. He didn't do as good as, as they wanted. So what? So they can take a lesser guy this year? Because there isn't a quarterback in this draft that isn't anywhere close to what Justin Fields was when he came out two years ago. Well, I tend to agree with you on that, Greg. And I would say that we don't want to say it too loud because we do want some teams to be interested in moving up into that number one pick. But we'll get to that in a minute. I want to talk about the Shrine Bowl. So uh, some of our listeners may not be familiar with your background. You were a longtime scout. You've been in a lot of rooms, a lot of buildings. So you bring a really great perspective been writing some great articles on Windy City Gridiron. So if you haven't checked those out, please go to Windy City Gridiron, check out Greg's byline. He's been doing great work all year, really uh, shedding a light on a lot of things that most of us don't don't have a, a good background on. But I want to talk about the Shrine Bowl specifically, because you have uh, some level of involvement there. So I want to ask you that up front. Talk to us about the Shrine Bowl, what it's about and uh, well, how you got involved. I, I really got involved a year ago, close to two years ago. A friend of mine, Eric Galco, and Eric, I've known Eric for years, uh, but he worked in the XFL like I did. So we were part of XFL 2020 that, because of the pandemic, didn't last too long. Um, you know, five full games, but there was a, a full year of work leading up to those five games. And Eric was the director of player personnel for the league. And I was the director of player personnel for the, for the Washington franchise, the DC defenders. There was no general manager. The head coach was the so-called general manager who for that franchise was Pep Hamilton, a name that everybody should be familiar with being that he was on uh, Lovey's staff here uh, as a quarterback coach uh, and a longtime coach, both in college and the league. And I think a great coach myself. Um, but anyway, when, when Eric got involved, uh, you know, for the 2022 East-West Shrine, Eric got involved in heat of running it. And they moved it to Vegas um, after last last year's game. Then the league got more involved. Uh, the league has taken over or has basically named that game as, as, as the, the college all-star game that they are backing. So the Senior Bowl has held that for years and years and years. And it's nothing against the senior bowl. I think that, you know, the way I hear it, the league wanted the senior bowl to move. They weren't about to move. And so the league said, well, then we're back in the East West. And that's why you saw full coaching staffs there. Now it's going to take a couple years for the rosters to change hands, so to speak, because of the tradition of the senior bowl. But the roster this year was pretty good, but I'm on, Eric asked me then, you know, I did some scouting for the East-West last year. Then this year he asked me to be on the board of advisors uh, with about four or five other people. So constantly having, you know, phone conversations, just trying to make the, the product better and get better players. So a lot of that had to do with, you know, getting a hold of agents, dealing with agents and, and, and the, or it used to be, college players couldn't have agents. Well, technically they can't have a contract agent right now, but they can have an agent for NIL. And a lot of times the guy who's doing the NIL stuff is going to end up doing his contract too. So uh, college players now have agents. So it, it, the, the whole atmosphere of college football has really changed in the last couple of years because of NIL. Um, 
the league wants to tie the East-West game in with the Pro Bowl week. Uh, they did it last year. Last year, you know, they got a late start. They didn't have much of attendance. The game kicks off right around now, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they're expect. I think they sold twenty-five to thirty thousand uh, tickets for that game. Now, going back, and you guys might might not remember this because we're going back into the eighties. But you know, the East-West is the oldest All-Star game. It's been going on for almost a hundred years. You're going back to 1925 was the first year. And I didn't know that, by the way, until like two days ago when I looked it up. <laughs> and um, and I had been going since 1985, I think, was my first year going out there. But it used to be out in Palo Alto at Stanford, at the old Stanford Stadium. And it was, you know, the Shriners uh, sponsored the game. And it was like a West Coast Shriners convention. And they had... That's that old Stanford Stadium could hold seventy five thousand people, and it was packed. There were seventy to seventy five thousand at that game every single year, and the quality of the of the players was was excellent. And then they moved the game out of Stanford. They had it up at the baseball stadium, the new baseball stadium, for a year, and it just it just you know the people that were were running it just weren't doing as good a job promoting it. It started to go downhill. So, and, and it moved around. It was at about four different places over the course of say the last 15 years or so. And now it's hopefully settling in in Las Vegas and, and tied in with the Pro Bowl activities each week. And, and it'll come back as a, you know, a real good um, all-star game for players to attend and, and especially with that NFL involvement now. Yeah, I think that's key. If the NFL is involved now, I think they're gonna they want that to be the premier college all star game. Like you know, when I was younger, like you said, it, it was the the top all star game, and the, the 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 better players would go there and it turned into Senior Bowl. But if you had a choice to go to Mobile, Alabama, or to go to Las Vegas, I'm, I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, and 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 it ended up not working out. But originally, based on records the Bears and Houston yeah. were supposed to coach this. And so nobody thought that Lovey Staff was getting fired, especially given the fact that, you know, a year ago they had an African-American coach. He got fired after one year, and nobody in their right mind thought, there's no way they're going to fire another African-American coach after just one season. And so, in fact, I had, you know, Eric was talking to the Bears. I was talking to Houston. Eric had talked to the general manager. They basically had agreed to do the game. And I was talking to Pep a lot. Uh, I didn't really talk to Lovey. But the whole reason being is the top senior quarterback in, in the draft this year is Will Levis from Kentucky. Yeah. So we were working on getting Levis to play in that game and be on the team that Houston coached. And because, you know, Houston has a quarterback need and, They'd have a, a week with them, and it would really give them a a jump start on the evaluation process of him. And you know, Pep had talked to his agent; he had talked to the kid. Um, we hadn't had a deal quite yet, but then they got fired, and all that went down the drain. And the and the Bears decided not to coach in it, and it really had nothing to do with the game. It was really the importance of this off season. And if you're going to coach in that game, you've got to send your whole staff out there. And it's not just your coaching staff. 
that your personnel staff or most of your personnel staff, you got all your video people. There's a lot of people from Hallis Hall that would have been out there. So it's like basically it's like being on the road. You're, you're taking your, on, you know, your team on a road game and they're out there for a whole week. And Ryan did not think that that was the best idea for the Bears this year being the importance of this offseason because that would take away from, you know, having as many people as he wanted down at the Senior Bowl would take away from uh, coaches who, who weren't going to be at the Senior Bowl doing evaluation on free agents, et cetera. So he just thought that time could be more useful if they weren't involved this year. And to be honest with you, I can't blame him. I think you bring up some good points and hitting a couple of questions that we had for you. I think the first one, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, and I saw you had a tweet earlier today where you're saying, eh, people are overreacting to what they're seeing in these uh, all-star <laughs> game practices. Right. And I kind of want to ask that question because um, I think it's, it's uh, pretty natural for people to get pretty excited about, you know, watching one-on-one reps at these all-star games because you get to watch this guy against that guy and they don't normally, they're not used to watching practices, right? Like this right, is something right. new and, and all that. So put it into context for us. How should the uh, fan that's at home and following these all-star game practices and games, how should they really take that into account when they're evaluating these prospects for what's wh- who are potentially going to be in the draft and on their, on their favorite team? Well, I, I'm going to answer it this way. And, and, and number one, I get where draft analysts and the fans are coming from because this is their opportunity to real. I mean, yeah, you get TV tape or whatever. Some people might be fortunate enough to get real game tape, but it's there. A lot of people go down to Mobile for that game, and it's there. And there were a lot out in in Vegas, you know, earlier this week to to watch the practices for, for that. But it's their first opportunity to really see people live. But here's the reality, and the way the the pro people look at it, it's just a small piece of the puzzle. The most important part of the process is what they already did from September through November. And in case if they were in a bowl game through December, uh, you know, what they did during the season. Some of these kids now, they haven't played football in over a month. And, and, and in some cases, if, if their team wasn't in a bowl game, they haven't played two months. And they might be getting ready for the combine, but they haven't played real football. And so they're a little bit rusty. You use it. Actually, one of the most important things for, for the pro scouts and stuff, it's not the practice. And first of all, the game doesn't mean anything. It's what you see in practice that they're looking at. But it's getting the interviews in. Because at the, at the combine, you're only allowed to interview 60 people. You got 335 people at the combine, give or take a couple. And you always have a huge number of underclassmen that are in the draft. And underclassmen can't play in the all-star game. So who are you going to interview at the combine? As many of the top underclassmen as you can because it's your first opportunity to see them. So what do all the teams do? They send a bunch of people to these different all-star games, and there's like four of them, maybe five of them now because the Hula Bowl is back. Um, And how about the Hula Bowl was in Orlando this year? That makes a lot of sense, but – the wait for it to go back to Hawaii and then I'll, I'll try to get credentialed. <laughs> anyway, 
you can spend more than 15 minutes with a kid and you can get a lot of work out of the way. So now come a month from now when the combine or three and a half weeks from now when the combine starts, you don't have to worry about interviewing that guy. You got it done. And you can move on to the underclassmen. You, we used to have an old saying, and this goes back. I, I started with the Giants, and at the end of 84, I was with um, National Scouting for the 84 season and in the spring 84. And even when I was with the Bills part-time from 81 to 84, you know, the, the saying was at the All-Star Games is a player can't hurt himself at the All-Star Games, but he can help himself if he has a real good week because you don't want to – he could have a bad week that, and part of it could be for what I said just a couple minutes ago. He hasn't played football in four weeks or five weeks or six weeks or whatever. And so you're not going to downgrade him for that because he had a, a sloppy three days of practice. Now, don't forget, none of, these guys are brought together. They've never been with each other before. You know, so everything is new. It's a, a new tailored down offense. There's never been, they've never worked with these guys as teammates before. So it's all just put together really, really quick. You have a couple meetings, you have a few practices, maybe two intense practices. So how can you overreact to what you see in that little bit of time? You don't. So, but if a kid really jumps out and let's say he, you catch things in practice that you didn't see during the fall when you were making school calls during the fall, then you can say, hey, wait, I missed that. So now let's go back and look at some more tape and maybe there's, a, you know, find out why you missed it or whatever, where the guys that really benefit are the small school kids because you're seeing them play against better competition. You know, they you take a, an FCS kid or a division two kid or whatever. And there was a division three kid that was invited to East West from, uh, Quincy College here in Illinois, but he could not, he was at the game, but he couldn't play. He's got a boot. He's got a broken foot or something, uh, but he was there to be interviewed and weighed and measured. Big kid that dominated like division three competition. But if he could have taken part in the practices, you would have seen how he was able to compete against guys who played at, at power five type schools during the year. And then you're seeing if he's really is a prospect or he was just the big fish in the small pond at division three. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of a lot of small school guys that are really showing out now. And, you know, that's what these staffs are, especially with the East-West, because like you said, it's not the same level as, as the Senior Bowl quite yet. So you're looking for those diamonds in the rough, so those day three, some uh, undrafted free agent types. So the Bears, you said they didn't want to commit the whole staff, you know, to the whole week down there. But quite a few of the staff was there. I think I saw a picture of you talking to Ryan Poles at some point on Twitter. So th there were quite a few members of the Bears staff there, or, or was the whole staff there at, in, in the early part of the practices? Um, well, Ian was there. Ryan was there. Um, Jeff, I, I think pretty much the whole scouting staff was there. Yeah. Uh, or close to it. And they stayed through Monday morning and then headed down to Mobile. But the weather, I don't think they were all there Monday because the weather sucked in Las Vegas. It was cold and rainy. It's in the desert. It's not supposed to rain, but it was cold <laughs> and rainy on Monday. And uh, so I think some of them got out of Dodge a little bit early, went down to Mobile because they had interviews available for the, even though there's no practice on Monday, there were interviews available uh, Monday afternoon in Mobile. But they were there. I had a nice chat with uh, 
with Ryan for about an hour, but I can't really say. Okay. Everything's only because then you're betraying confidences. And sure, then sure. Hey, when you get an opportunity sure. to talk again, you, you know, you say, hey, screw you, you know? <laughs> no, 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 no. We would never, never push that. But I'll tell you, it was a very, very interesting conversation. And I think he really opened up. He, he gave me a lot of information that'll, you know, I, I, I got a pretty good idea of what he wants to do. Yeah. Whether you, what you want to do and what you can do are always two different things. Because yep. you're competing, you're competing against 31 other clubs, and right now, reality is, and and, and a lot of it's free agency. And that comes first. What yep. happens in free agency is going to depend what happens in the draft. You know, people want to have all these mock drafts, but they they're meaningless until you get through that first big phase of free agency, and depending on how they they're able to acquire players and or lose players in free agency that'll have a lot to do with what they do in the draft come the end of April. Absolutely. I know that you're involved at the, on the board level of the Shrine Bowl. I know you, you're invested in a lot of these guys that came to this game. You're there, you're talking to people, coaches, GMs, scouts all across the league. Are there some guys that kind of popped a little bit this week that let you mention guys that can help themselves, right? Some of the smaller yeah. school guys getting a chance to go against some of the bigger school guys. A couple of I, I got some ro- I got a rosters here, but I hope I got the right ones here. Okay. <laughs> because I what I do is when a guy kind of jumped out and did something in practice that jumped out, I just marked his name on uh on one of these rosters I have. And then I, uh, and I don't have one of these in front of me. It must be in my other notebook. But anyway, that um, told me I got to go back and look at more mm-hmm. tape, you know, because it just that, that he did something that I like. But let me see. I can give you a few names here. I got both rosters here. Yep. Okay. Looking at the West, and I'll just give you a few. Um, Okay, Demario Douglas, a wide receiver from Liberty, jumped out. Um, There's a little running back that's real quick from UCLA, Alan Casimir. You know, he jumped out and practices. Uh, Ibrahim Mohammed from University of Minnesota jumped out. Another running back, uh, the cornerback from Minnesota, Terrell Smith. Um, I didn't really look at the DBs that much, uh, along the line. Bear with me guys. Oh, that's a good show name. <laughs> uh, this I mean, is real time, real time processing information here. I mean, the good thing about this is the bears need help everywhere. So all these right. guys you're mentioning are guys that could, you know, presumably be in play for the Bears because they need help up and down the roster. Uh, Baldonado, an edge player from Pittsburgh. Uh, PJ Mustafer. Oh, uh, the he's he would be a one technique in the Bears defense if they were to uh, draft him. Uh, he jumped out a little bit on the other team. Um, Greg could uh, 
Sam Mustafer block PJ Mustafer effectively in, in practices? How would that go? You got him one on one. Who 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 you got your money on? PJ. Yep. Okay. He's he's. Well, I don't know if he's bigger. He's three hundred fifteen. Sam gets killed. Okay. What Sam is is he's not a starter <laughs> in the Thank NFL. You. He's a he's a good backup. He yep. is. Yep. That, absolutely. That had to that was put into a position that he had to play because of injuries and ended up having to play, I think all but one game and all of last year. Okay. Now next year, if he's on the 53, I think it'll be strictly as a backup. Now I think the coaching staff likes him because he's very smart and, and he can come in off the bench and he can hold his own. And I think, Let's be honest. I think the second half of the season he played a lot better than he did in the first half of the season. But is he is he what you want? You know, that's what the answer is. Is that you know you want to upgrade at certain areas along that team. And I think that you know the biggest position right now going into the offseason along the offensive line that they want to upgrade is right tackle. And and that's like number one. I'm not sure about center because I know they really like Patrick. And Pat, is it fair to say, well, Patrick didn't play good? Oh, granted, but he's also playing guard. He was also hurt, and he's not a good guard. But if you look at his tape from 20 and 21 at Green Bay when he was their starting center for, I think, started 14 games in, in 21 for Green Bay, he played damn good. So are you, are you going to close the door on him because of an injury-filled season, or are you going to you know, bring him back and, and say – He's our center, and that, that's for the coaching staff and the front office to determine. You know, my my guess is that they're going to say he's our center next year, and you know, and they they want to have probably more competition, whether that's um, Sam Mustafer or the kid they drafted last year from Illinois, or they bring in somebody else this year. That remains to be seen. We'll find out that out over the course of the next few months. Yeah, it seems like they, they should upgrade there on the interior. Um, you know, they got uh, Tevin Jenkins at right guard, I thought, had, had a really nice year. He had some injuries he's battled through. But over at left guard is, is Cody Whitehair, and he's got a big cap hit number. And, you know, he's 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 getting up there in age, and he's plays a little inconsistent. You never want to get rid of a guy unless you have a replacement ready for him. But right. do, you, do, you see, do you see Cody Whitehair as a guy that uh, still has a future on this team? Um. Looking at his contract, I think you're gonna. You know, I don't think these guys want to waste money like like they they spent last year doing that. Yeah, cleaning house and you know I, I kind of found out why in the course of my conversation, you know and and he I, you know I I think that if he wasn't in the plans, he would have already been shipped out because those you know in most cases those guys are gone and and you know what I what I do believe and I might be going fast forward here is that say in free agency unless the guy is really healthy you know throughout his career doesn't have an injury um background so to speak that most of the players he's going to go after are going to be kind of young. If he hits a guy that's 30 or 31 
he's going to be a healthy 30 or 31 so he can get a good, say, three years out of the guy because he, he doesn't want to bring in people that are broken. And, and he's not going to get you – know, he, he, like, like Patrick has been healthy his whole career, but he got hurt this year. He doesn't want that to happen. Now, sometimes you can't help it. But if you get a guy that's already been injured three or four times in the course of his career and missed a lot of time, why are you going to bring him in? Yeah. It just, you know, you're just putting good money after bad or bad money after good money, you know, to do that. And I, don't, I just don't think he wants to do that. I think he wants to get young, but he, I, you know, he also needs leadership. So there, there could be an opportunity for some 28, 29 year olds. If, if they've got a lot of gas in the tank and they're healthy. Yeah, so like Javon Hargrave from the Eagles looks like he's going to come due for a free agent contract. You know, the Eagles may not be able to afford him. He's 30, right? He's 30, yeah. And I don't know. I haven't looked. First thing, you you know, you can go to Pro Football Reference and it'll tell you how many games he's played, how many games he's started. So, And that's the first thing. But you don't always know about the injuries. And, and some of that shows up just on the reports that go out every week if he's missing practice, if he's been out or, or – limited in practice and you keep track of that stuff you're getting it all the time so it's documented when you have in, in your pro scouting files you have all that documentation on every player in the league so that when he does come up for free agency you've got a file you know exactly what the problem was and they gotta you know they gotta say okay he uh he's limited because of a knee limited because of an ankle now and then you can do some research to find out exactly what it was yeah, the Bears are gonna have like like we talked about a lot of money, and if you look at those those top free agents, uh, you know the franchise tag will be in play with some of these teams. We'll kind of see what happens. I know the with Washington, you know with with Payne, uh, the Forty ers with uh, the right tackle McClinchy. There's a lot of guys that would fit. With the, like I said, Bears need everything, so you know it's it's going to be interesting to see how kind of how they attack this off season. And they kind of see who who's available for them, you know, see who doesn't get re-signed. But uh, right, lot, and that's going to be the key too. Is who, yep. you know, like like Washington. Right now, you look at their cap and you go, how are they going to be able to do it? You know, as far as Duran Payne goes. But then you look at the guy who's getting the most money, Carson Wentz. They can cut him, and there's not a penny they lose. On it. There's no cap hit at all, because. The other teams that had them before have already taken care of the bonuses. It's just like $25 million comes off the books the day you you cut him. And you know he's not coming back. So right away, that could give them enough money to re-sign Payne. But then you look at it, too, where uh, the other defensive tackle is going to have a cap hit of around $18 million. The other defensive end is coming due for an extension. And Young, who was the first pick in the draft, and he's been dinged up, he's going to be due to get extended. And it's like, how much money do they want to put into the defensive line? Now, they're on record saying, we want to keep him. Mm-hmm. But wanting to keep him and keeping him and, and just be, you know, you got to spread your money around. And do you want to throw all that money into one position? And that'll be one of the interesting things that we'll find out over the course of really going to find out before March 15th. So over the course of the next six weeks. Yeah. It'll be fascinating to see where the bears are able to try to put some of that money into. They got to free up from their teams. That's kind of the first step. 
as I understand it, every offseason you evaluate your own talent. You decide whether or not you're going to let them walk out the door. You're going to bring them back. We talked a little bit about Cody Whiter. Cody Whiter is under contract. That That's a different conversation. That's, you know, can you replace him with somebody else? But the, the one guy that I think that people have a lot of strong opinions on, and that's David Montgomery. Uh, second round pick, you know, he's, he's a fan favorite. He's a guy that a lot of, a lot of people like, then you got that other side of things where people are like, you don't pay a running back second contract. His yards per carry isn't very high. You can, you can replace his production you can get better on the open market, or you can maybe go into the draft and, and recycle. And then there's a lot of Khalil Herbert fans. So where are you at with the David Montgomery question? If it was me, if I can get him at a reasonable price, for a two-year deal, and maybe I'd stretch to three, but not more than three, I'd do it. A lot of it, he's real, real valuable in the locker room. Okay, he has had some injuries, um, not debilitating, but he has missed some time. But his game meshes well with Herbert's, you know, with the, with the other running backs, with Khalil. And he can do things that Khalil can't do. You know, he's a better pass blocker. He's a better receiver. He's not the open field runner. He doesn't have the home run speed. So they complement each other really well. But you want to be able to afford him, and you don't want to overpay him. So I I, I think, again, I'm, I'm speaking where I come. If I can get him, you know, I'd try to do a two-year deal, and maybe you can have a – a two-year deal and an option. Of course, he's going to want a four-year deal, but you can let him test the open market. He may find out that, you know, it's a running back and he isn't going to get anything, you know, because you talk to people around the league and, and that's what they go. You know, remember there was talk um, going into the uh, the trade deadline that he could be a guy that would, would be traded. And, and I was talking to some friends of mine around the league, and they go, "Why would they want to trade him? They can't get anything. He's a running back." Yeah, you know. So I mean, that's the, you know, and you'd see on Twitter, "Oh, you might be able to get a third. And and in reality, people are saying, "Well, you might get a seventh, you know, because he's a running back." And now then people bring up, "Well, Barkley might be a free agent." Well, I, you know, I I worked for the Giants for seventeen years, and I've got a lot of friends there, and I talked to their director of player personnel out at the East West who I've known for years. And he is a Mara, even though his last name is Mara, his mother is. Um, <laughs> he uh, to know we're, we're doing everything we can to bring him and the quarterback back. They're both out of contract. Yeah. You know, so that's like plan number one is, is bring both of those guys back and they got to find a way to do it. Yeah, I mean, this is probably not the best year for Montgomery to be a free agent running back because, you, you know, you already mentioned one of them. You know, Miles Sanders is a free agent. Uh, uh, the guy from the Raiders is a free agent. So th there's some guys out there, the, the uh, Pollard with the Cowboys. So there's there's a few guys that probably are, are higher profile than Montgomery. But but like you said, you know, the, those intangibles, you know, his ability, you know, in, in the passing game, you know, that, that's key, his ability to pass block. And and then the the leadership in the locker room. I mean, this. Yeah, that you know that the leadership in the locker room means a lot because you got to and 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 sometimes it goes it never gets spoken about, but how key guys are in the locker room with their teammates it it's it tells you a lot about whether you want to bring a guy back. 
Sometimes it can mean overpaying him a million dollars or something because of his value in the locker room. Well, that's good stuff. I'm wondering what else you have in store for our readership uh, coming up on the NFL draft. We got a lot of really fun stuff coming up. We're at the all-star games happening right now. The Shrine Bowl is happening right now. Senior Bowl is happening here soon. We're going to go on to like the combine. We're going to, you know, all that hype leading up to the draft. Do you have any plans for us, uh, the readers of Windy City Gridiron, or what you're going to share leading up to the draft this year? Yeah, what I want to do is, like I've been doing, is kind of when things come up, walk through the process. You know, what what's what's it about? how things really happen. Um, like, you know, in a few weeks, I'll be going down to Indy for the combine. So I'll write some stuff. Okay. What do you get out of the combine? What's the purpose of the combine? And, um, and to the average fan, it's the workout. And to the team, the workout's really the last thing. <laughs> you know, it, it's because you always, okay. Let's say the workout is an exam. The pro day is the makeup day. So, but you can't make up the medical. Yep. You know, and that that's important. The combine came into existence. The first one they had um, was in 1985. It was out in Arizona State. And that was the first combine as we know it. Before that, there was three different combines going on. And they were like over a period of three or four weeks because you had three different scouting services there was blesto national scouting and then there was a combine that probably none of you guys ever heard of called quadra and quadra was san francisco buffalo seattle and dallas so they each had their own little combine and then in 80 you know it, it some players would go to two but wouldn't go to the third and you know so it was just kind of crazy and then they all got together and said wait a minute let's just do this all together and, and everybody's going to be part of it. And that happened for the first time. And I was at that one. Uh, and it was at Arizona State. They picked Arizona State because it's not supposed to rain. And the month, the chance of rain in the month of January, Harry Buffington was running national scouting at the time. It was supposed to be like 8%. Two days it rained. So <laughs> there goes your 8%. But, and then the following year, it was at um, – New Orleans is actually after Super Bowl, the week following Super Bowl 20 that the Bears won. And then the next year was at India, and it's been there ever since. It's the St. Elmo Steakhouse just kept everybody coming back, or what's what's the pull of India inside? Or the, the league wants to put it up for bid, and the teams, the personnel people fight it because it's just it's the location of Indy, the location of, if you guys been down there for the combine at all? Okay, no. so you you know what it's like. Every you don't need a car. It's a nice city. I've been to the city yeah. a few times. Yeah, you 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 know I when I was working here for the Bears, I drove my car, parked my car at the hotel we were staying at, and I never saw it again for a week. You know, because <laughs> you can you walk everywhere, and. You know, everything's no more than a five-minute walk away, 10 minutes at, at most. And so you just don't need your car. It's just so easy to get around from one hotel to the other to the dome where they, uh, you know, they have the workouts. 
uh, to the players' hotel where they have the interviews and stuff. It just makes it so simple where if you take it somewhere else, now all of a sudden things are going to be spread out. And now you're going to have logistical problems, and, and that's not what the other teams want. Yeah, it's a nice city. I mean, it's plus it's in, it's in the Midwest. It's right there in, in the center. I mean, it's easy access. You know, uh, I would like for it to be you know a little closer to where I live in in, in the Chicagoland area, somewhere up in this area, or maybe uh, uh, Milwaukee or something like that. But it's it's nice. I know it's uh, it's it's Indianapolis. I've been there a few times. It is a nice city, and uh, I can't see them ever leaving. I mean, what's the point if, if the league wants it there? I mean, the the, the league gets what the league wants. That's why the East West is. Is getting at that level now where they're where they're 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 able to compete with the, the the senior bowl. So it's good stuff there in Indy. Yeah, it is. Like I said, and if you talk to the general managers or personnel directors at every club, they're gonna all not one is gonna give you a nay vote on Indy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good stuff, Greg. I really appreciate you taking the time to come hop on, talk Shrine Bowl with us, talk Bear stuff with us. Really love the work you're doing. Again, I'm going to give it another plug. Go read Greg's stuff on Winnie City Gridiron. It's invaluable. You'll learn so much. And of course, I want to let you plug your podcast as well, uh, where people can go and, and listen to you, even though it's not on the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel, but feel free to uh, plug wherever. Well, it, it's Gabriel Talks Football on the Barroom Network, and you know, once a week. And actually, now it's going to be every other week during the offseason. Um, but it, it's the same as what we're doing now. It's good we stuff just, over there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we, we, we just, you know, talk and uh, we do get some questions you know, from people uh, that are, they're live, they type in. So you get some, and, and I like that feedback. I could do Q and a all day. I think, yeah. I think that's, that's a riot. Um, I almost wish you could, you could hear some voices instead of having it typed in, but you know, it is what it is. I don't know if we're that far into the technology yet. And when it comes to technology, you know, I'm the wrong guy to talk to. So we'll see if we uh, can get it, some, some, uh, like, you know, radio hit spots, you know, people call into a, and leave a message and say, Hey, Greg, uh, want to hear about, you know, so-and-so and then we can play them for you and then you can answer those. But, um, well, what we'll do, Greg, is we're going to, we're going to end the podcast here and then, uh, we'll have you stick around for just a couple minutes. And we've got some people that are on our live YouTube that have typed in some questions for you. We'll run through those, but that's a YouTube special. We will, uh, we'll end the podcast here. Lester and I will come back uh, probably in a week or two and we'll uh, we're going to try to bring on more guests and we're going to, I think we're going to try to go through the bears roster, try to hit up some free agency stuff. I'd like to get Brad Spielberger on to talk uh, about free agency, what he's seeing in the landscape and, and uh, what the bears have at their disposal, what, how they can use and structure some of those contracts with that 95 million. Um, but uh, any final words, Lester, before we kill the podcast here? Am I no, supposed to stay on then for these? Yeah, just, these yeah, just stick on. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll, we, we got some questions okay. here for you. So yeah, stick on. Okay. Uh, yeah, just, just wrap it up, JB. We're out of here. All right, man. Sounds good. All right, guys. Uh, stick with us. And uh, until next time, bear down. <laughs>